The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Aww. Look who's come out of his cave. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. This is James from Cave Dweller Music. I'm joined by my co-host Brendan and today all the way from the UK we're Wallowing, the black and sludge doom metal band that you may have heard of. They incorporate sci-fi themes, graphic novels and action figures with their music. Thanks for coming on the show, really appreciate you taking the time. No worries, thanks for having us. Yeah, cheers man, it's really nice to come on. Of course, we're we're big fans so we're really happy to have you on. (laughs) Yeah, no, um, yeah, likewise, yes, we we really appreciate you taking an interest in what we do, you know, um, the... um, when we put out the new album, like we obviously hoped it did well, but it's really kind of taken off and it's been really exciting. And to like have you guys on board, it, it really means a lot. So yeah, cheers for um, hooking us up and being willing to chat with us. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know you or know the band, do you want to just introduce yourselves, uh, let people know what you do in the band and a little bit about the band itself? Uh, yeah, I, I'm Tom. I play guitar. Uh, I do a lot of the kind of like world building behind the music as well like a lot of the kind of conceptual story stuff um obviously write the guitars and bits like that as well i am maxim i'm vocals and synth and other weird little noisy bits as well running around generally um it's quite a collective effort and we all pitch in and cross over and contribute different things i wrote none of the lyrics and some of the guitar parts as well so we all have a hand on on the world building as well Hi, so I'm, I'm Rory. I fill out all the low end on that bass. So uh, just write all the rumbly bits. Uh, help Tom <laughs> with the lyrics and some of the world building kind of stuff. But he's definitely the mastermind on all of that kind of bits. And, and yeah, just kind of spitballing ideas and things like that. Uh, we may have another guy joining us later as well, Mark, um, who does vocals and noise. Um, we're hoping he turns up. He's a bit of a wild card, so um, we'll just have to wait and see. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. (laughs) Well, the new album, uh, as you said, has taken off, and I'm really happy to hear that. It's a fantastic release. Um, What has the general reception been? Have people been pretty positive to to the direction you guys have gone in? I think so. Yeah, it's been really solid. um... Phenomenal, to be honest. It's almost, it's caught up in terms of numbers and listening, almost with Planet Lost, the debut album which came out a number of years ago and just seeing wow. a response from people who followed us for a long time and people who are just discovering us now and obviously people in the press has been really um really affirming and really nice to see as well i think bigger than we all kind of expect and hope for as well in a way oh i think this is for me personally like um this is the first piece of music i've written that i kind of like wanted other people to like you know like mm-hmm. so for me I, I tend to write a lot of music for myself and it's very expressionate and passionate and um that's that's sick but like with this i think we we're all aiming for something that was like beyond ourselves you know and um as much as it is quite personal and like true to like our roots and everything like i don't know i think um i think we all, all felt we wanted something really unique and like it's so great to see people respond to it the way we hoped you know mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess what's important with you guys is obviously understanding the world that you've created, the world building stuff. Um, do you kind of just want to explain that to people who may not be familiar with the world that you've created, the universe that you set your albums and graphic novels in? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it all started with Planet Lost, which is um, our first record. And um, it's, it's a sci-fi concept album. And it just started with the idea that we kind of like 
wanted to write, as, as I say, something for ourselves. You know, it wasn't really um, about having. Um, it, was, it, was, it was just like we 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 love sci-fi. You know, at, at the root of everything, like we we, we like sci-fi stories. We like sci-fi films. We like sci-fi music, and we like concept albums. We're like big nerds for bands like Rush and Camel. All these kind of like nerdy bands, you know, and we've always mm-hmm. wanted to do something like that, whilst also entwining like what well, like the scene we're in, which is basically an extreme metal scene, like um harsh music. <laughs> yeah, harsh, heavy, sludgy riffs. And um yeah. yeah, we just wanted to combine that and like just have fun with it, you know. And um Planet Lost is like that in a nutshell. It's a um sci-fi story about a small group of rebellions who want to kind of like reclaim their planet from evil forces. And um, yeah, it was just a big nerd out for us ultimately. And um, the response to that was so cool. Like, it, it was really, really good to see people enjoy it as much as we enjoyed making it. And it was kind of an excuse for us to dive into it further, you know? So like we started expanding into the comic books and the action figures. And then yeah, ultimately the second album, Earth Reaper, which is essentially like a sequel. Like as much as it is kind yeah. of like a standard yeah. thing and you can listen to it as its own piece of music, is, is they're kind of intrinsically linked in terms of like content, you know, and um, musically, I think thematically as well, they kind of really go hand in hand and complement each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think it's a multimedia experience, which is fantastic. I love that. I appreciate that because um, it makes it all so much more immersive and it kind of has the audience connecting in a different way that other bands don't. Yeah. Yeah. We really, we really like it. Kind of come from lockdown, didn't it? Like yeah. we had a lot of free time on our hands, and we that was basically like for us over here in the UK. Lockdown hit about five months after we released Planet Loss, so it was quite fresh off the back of that. And it it was a bit of a knockback because we did the album release tour, and I think we did some other shows, but then everything just kind of stopped. And for a band who are trying to build up some momentum and like have like just just play awesome shows you know it really kind of right. stopped us in our hands so we already had like the idea of the comic book by then and through lockdown we found delicious again peter who makes the action figures and because we had the free time it was like fuck it like why not let's let's do this stuff you know because we, we couldn't be gigging you know so yeah but that that was our opportunity to really dive into all the conceptual side of things and like build up these different formats and yeah, the different media of how to digest the story. Any uh, inspiration from the band Cogan Cambria with the way that they tie their music into the sci-fi universe they've created and the comics they do and all that sort of thing? <laughs> I, th- I think it's in there somewhere. We, we've seen them a few times. We liked them when we were younger. Me and Rory loved Coheed when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was intentional, though, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if in the back I, of our I heads... Think, I think subtly it's probably there. We were definitely aware of it, you know, mm. And yeah, as I say, we, we've always been nerds for that kind of thing. I think, yeah, just generally our wider comic book nerdery is, is probably more to do. I think like a lot of it was, uh, we have this uh, comic by, is it Frank Herbert uh, called The City? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's really bleak and dystopian. And it, I, I see a lot of wallowing in, in that comic. And I think that for me is probably my biggest, like, yeah, we need to do something like that because we've created such a bleak dystopian world that's, mm-hmm you know, quite interesting to play with. And why would you not want to visualize it? Right. I I think that's the cool thing about Wallowing. Like a lot of our influences come from outside of music, you know, like there's a lot of films that we take inspiration from and um, yeah, comic books. So it's a lot more than just music for us. Like the the story and like 
but yeah the story is the core of it ultimately yeah we're constantly seeking ways in which we can bring this to life for people and ourselves as well and the comic books vision novels all of that and then also for this album expanding into having an animated music video just another way that we can actively bring this world that we've created to people and give them something to visually interact with in another medium and just all helps bring it together more cohesively and flesh it out and it builds that experience for people and for us as well so it becomes it becomes so much more immersive i suppose when you've got this like world that we've built in the comics and you see how we kind of visually see it in our our minds and then it translates in, obviously into live shows where like the the main character in the comics is is very much based off of our stage kind of outfits where we're in these kind of spacesuits and we're almost faceless and blinking lights and lasers everywhere an immersive experience i think takes it out of just seeing a band yeah and it starts to feed off itself it becomes less how can we base this comic and building this world around what we're doing and that interplay between how does what we're doing fit into this world and vice versa and then suddenly it gets so much bigger than what we're doing and it takes on a life of its own and it's how can we channel and direct that in a cohesive way that doesn't feel forced right you guys planning to do a west coast us tour at any point because i'd love to catch uh catch that live yeah oh, east coast too please <laughs> oh that we, we funny enough just before lockdown there was some vague talk of it and um no, that was east coast well it's not really well, east coast that was like chicago yeah, I, I don't, I don't like remember Illinois. whereabouts in usa but there was yeah, talk of yeah. getting over there yeah, and like um four odd dates we were offered i think we were trying to get it together yeah and as much as that kind of stuff is a nightmare to organize we would obviously jump at the opportunity to do it mm. it's a shame because there was a bit of excitement about getting over but i think i think we we would love to so hopefully we can do that soon on our wish list of yeah, things yeah, to do for sure yeah well, like we did a split release with two bands based in new york a band called thin and another band called vixen moore who are like they're, they're kind of like grindcore bands and um yeah fun and they're really nice guys and it'd be really cool to hook up with them and do some stuff because obviously the, the cool thing about that split is with another uk band called slab dragger who are very yeah firm. and it, it, it was fun because we kind of like we spoke to them about the kind of overall sound we wanted to create and slab dragger went for a more kind of um new york hardcore style sound and we tried to kind of feed into that kind of grindcore power violence side mm-hmm. and then vixen moore they went full sci-fi with their part of the split and thin i'm not sure if you've heard of thin but they're absolutely crazy anyway so like that it was just a really intense and unique sounding release and yeah, I'd love to do that live. I'd love to come over to America and meet up with those guys and do that. As as ridiculous as it, it is means to play playing live. The split live though. Okay, so so funny thing about that is the other thing we did in lockdown is we wrote that split and we recorded it yeah. in isolation from our own houses. None so, of us met up for it. So it was an absolute just like undertaking because it was like, okay, this is you know thousands of riffs later, and like, when you finally meet up in a room together to play it, it's like. Oh, this is bonkers. How have we done this? <laughs> recorded. Yeah, it was definitely recorded and mixed and possibly mastered before we even got in a room and played it together. And Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, we, could, we couldn't. Like, as much as we wanted to hang out, like, we, we, we couldn't, you know. So um, we kept as active as we could. And we, we did that. But obviously, when you're um, sitting, like, in a room by yourself and writing riffs and, like, 
for me when I was doing the riffs like I was sat down comfortably in a chair you know so I record them like that but then when you go into a practice room or live scenario where you're standing up and you're like eating full beans like riffing out going ham <laughs> changes you know all of a sudden these riffs that you could play comfortably sitting in an armchair are like the worst thing in the world to play <laughs> baptism by fire live after lockdowns because it's going in and it's just completely relentless in every single way there's no breaks there's no stopping it's just fast and aggressive all the time which yeah. is really fun until it's also like oh my gosh I'm dying and it's been <laughs> quarter of an hour and it's not stopping <laughs> and you're in pitch black because we just decided to play those shows in pitch black yeah wearing like oh three layers in the spacesuits, <laughs> and there's lasers and there's smoke and there's lights and it just feels like <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> I think someone described it as sleep paralysis. Mm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely sweet. I've seen like a couple videos that you guys have posted from like little snippets of shows and whatnot. It looks like it'd be a really killer time to to be there in person. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're smashing it, especially after tour. Like, I mean, not sound big headed or anything, but like, I mean, playing those shows that really personally cemented for me, like. Yeah. where like that, that we're in a good place you know because I mean when when you get to hammer it out every single night I feel like you get really tight and you get confident and then you're able to kind of play around with the audience a bit more or like jump about a bit more because yeah. you just feel like you know what you're doing you know yeah. I agree yeah. I kind of like sees it and kind of feel the slink around slink around <laughs> it, you know feel sleazy because yeah. yeah. we do like to like have a good time you know we really want people to enjoy themselves at the shows as well so we make it as immersive as possible and yeah like it's, it's so much fun doing it it's just some, like something about looking out and seeing people build a human pyramid in the slowest dirtiest sludgiest section that we've ever written and then them all bowling over when the yeah. carpet hits is something else as well on a, on a slimy floor yeah. very <laughs> and mark's rolling on the floor as well. yeah. he's like, rolling back about halfway through tour like mark turns to us and he says yeah i, I had a roll around on the floor i thought, cool. I, thought I was gonna fall over so i figured i'd just go with it <laughs> and, oh, like, oh my god like the mess after the, the show. <laughs> feral human after day four. Yeah. That was a bit of a wasn't it? After that, he had no boundaries and no fear. The penny dropped of like anything that you do is enhanced as well. Even like a little, what feels like a nod of the head when you're wearing this suit is exaggerated and accentuated. So you feel like you're going hard. But actually, when you see it from the outside, it's just unparalleled like aggression on the floor rolling around screaming with a light flashing everywhere in this smoke and it, yeah, it's uh another level of uh oh i didn't think we could get this far but it, amazing awesome yeah definitely want to see that so this is something a couple of people have talked about they've come on the podcast but do you kind of see that live music has toned itself down since the 90s like uh if you look back a lot of those 90s shows from bands like Butthole Surface, even like the Red Hot Chili Peppers compared to now type thing. Like if someone that big would have like full nudity on stage or like, you know, antics, uh, uh, people would like, uh, Butthole Surface had brought a shotgun to a show and like shot stuff on stage or like had fake blood packs. And, you know, I feel like 90s music was a lot more dangerous. There's a lot less boundaries that kept people restrained when they did live performances. Do you feel that that's kind of been lost a bit in the last 20, 30 years or so? Do you think that it's still alive in there. I think, obviously, times have changed a bit, haven't they? And yeah, fair enough. 
also like i think people restrict themselves in those regards you know mm-hmm. like um like I think we always not not like that we look to do anything violent or anything like we've never been a band who's been keen on that kind of thing. But um, mm-hmm. you we kind of look at what we can do and then we roll with it. Like sometimes we turn up to shows and like we've had it recently where we turn up at places and they're like, oh, you can't use the lasers because mm-hmm. they might blind someone. You know, they might shine because obviously we're playing like smaller venues, so they're a bit more risky. You know, depending on where yeah. you go, you have them at certain heights and stuff. But then we we work ways around that, so we can maybe aim them more inwards to ourselves, and then we're only at risk of blinding ourselves, really. <laughs> but with the suits and stuff, we're pretty much kept safe. You know, or um, we have the smoke machines. We have all these different elements that we can pull out in replacement of other aspects. You know, mm-hmm. and I say because the live show has been a big focus for us. Mm. We kind of, we're always looking for these loopholes of things we can do, you know? Mm. And um, I think anyone can do that. You know, if you put your mind to it and there's something you specifically want to achieve live or a feeling or a show you want to pull off, you can do it. You know, you just need to be smart yeah. about it. Look at what's possible. If something isn't possible, what can you do that is possible that gives the same effect? Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously you can't get away with half as, as much as you could then, but I don't if you're really that passionate about it there's no excuse really you can always put on a good show you know no matter what and it's like we try and be aggressive and feral and non-stop and jumping off the stage and spin kicking around with steel toe cap boots and stuff but it's not just aggression it's controlled aggression and it's right. we would never right. ever want people to be in our space having this time and feel like they can't be having a good time because they feel unsafe yeah. and it's about having that aggression but it's controlled and it's sustained and you're providing a space where people can enjoy this in an environment where there's not going to be an issue for them as well right and it's, we try and make our shows a space where it's bombastic and ridiculous and oh my god what am i seeing i've never seen anything like this but also not a space where you don't want to be seeing we check in on each other it's like we'll be going full beans and absolutely going ham and obviously it looks absolutely crazy where it's all exaggerated and, and you know we're we're genuinely exhausted and like mark will come up to me and give me like an almost little power hug just like check in are you okay buddy like we're, we're doing this let's go that's next bit soon mm. and you know it's like yeah we're going crazy but again we're checking in on each other like, we want our audience to have fun and check in like we can't have human pyramids and like wild pits without people looking after each other mm. but we're going into space together going and when you're space. in space going you've got to look out space. for each other in space you know because who the hell else is going to do it yeah I got clapped yeah. in the head the other day didn't I yeah. <laughs> I got like hit with Rory's head stop yeah I cry on the head, head. Yeah. but I it was alright <laughs> I mean, with the protective suits as well that's the thing because we've got the brims on the hats it's almost like if you hit the brim you've got that like little bit of time to be like pull back my ball nearly nearly got in the head there so it's not often we bump into each other even if we're in like the most confined spaces yeah like uh i I like the response you guys gave because i think times have changed and bands have to change with them but it's an evolution more than more than giving up something. Um, and course, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you make an effort to actually make the show exciting and engaging and boundary pushing, but in a way that still makes people feel welcome and safe, which is great. Right. Yeah. Cheers. That's, I think yeah, it's like the thematic core of Planet Loss is you know communities. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's all about bringing people together and working together to create something more. You know. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, I suppose that does relate to the live show yeah, as well. Right. Uh, I was. Have you seen um, the video of uh, Terror? And there was this guy. I uh, was trying to, you know, grab the mic and sing, and the, and basically like the bouncer, like or the security guy, just like took the mic, made him drop it, and then picked it up, and he was like, "No, you know," and like just handed it back, like totally, just like, mm. oh. he was like saying they were like being all crazy and whatnot like have you guys experienced anything like that where like people are just like can't can't get rowdy at shows at all uh i mean not in this project i mean we i me and rory another band we have we have played spaces that to be honest maybe shouldn't have had a show in them because the (laughs) people in that space weren't enjoying it you know and um Probably like you're thinking of real life. I'm thinking of real in a way. Yeah, it's like fucking sports bar. Yeah. It's just not. But I mean, obviously, that's a different level to that. Um, Yeah. I I just a a thing where obviously there was an area that doesn't get too much heavy music, and there was a group of people trying to build up a scene and were welcomed into a a pub essentially, and the locals just didn't agree with it. And I remember that being quite an intimidating thing for everyone. Next to the toilet, and they're trying to go in there to probably snort loads of coke and get aggressive with us. And yeah, quite aggressive. Uh, yeah, I accidentally uh, hit our vocalist in the head, didn't I? And it's like oh, he's God. like screaming at the top of his lungs. He's pissing blood everywhere and screaming like, like in a good way, like yeah, <laughs> because yeah, of the set, not, not in pain. Like, we're, we're, <laughs> you, know, you continue, you finish that set, even if like someone's being aggy or whatnot. Like, Still got to play the show. Mm. It was just, yeah, it was, it was a bit wild. Yeah, but also, I mean, in that scenario with, with terror, like if you're, um, you'd expect the security team to understand the event they're um, they're working. You know, yeah. like, I think yeah. obviously at a terror show, you know what to expect, right? Well, you'd you'd, you'd hope a so. Amount of crowd, crowd participation. Yeah, well, right? yeah, yeah, definitely. It'd be it's a shame to think that that was kind of stopped and seen as maybe being something it wasn't when that's very much part of what they're doing, you know? And I think that's the difference between um, violence and those kinds of shows. Like, I mean, obviously you can't go to every kind of show and act how you would at a terror show, you know, like terror show, you know, what's going to go down at a terror show. Like if I went to see terror, I know what's going on there, you know, and I'd be careful because of that. But um, because of that, I think the security team maybe should have known. You know, I haven't seen the video myself. I heard about it. So I I can't like fully comment, I suppose, until I've seen it. But like from what I've heard and what I've read, like, yeah, I think maybe the security team should have known a bit more. I think it's tough as well because it depends on the venue because they're playing in Brighton fairly soon at a venue that typically has barriers, has a separation between the audience and stage and has security on it and not having seen the video. If it's a venue like that and you're, you know, just security guard and this is what you do week in, week out. And then suddenly there's all these to you, you know, just like punters trying to rush the stage. You're like, what the hell's going on? Mm -hmm. It's the of the promoter and the bands, but the security company and the venue to all be on the same page. And all it takes is one person to, miscommunicate or be misunderstood and then that's when it all goes wrong you know and you get incidents like that which you should have accounted for but you just don't because you don't think about it and then it all goes wrong yes so just two things really quickly um on your story of playing that sky bar we had uh brendan can you remember what band it was uh a band come on when we first started doing the podcast that said they got booked for a show they weren't told by their 
booking agent where it was and it ended up being uh, at a winery and uh, oh, wow. the, the, the winery had not researched who the band were when they booked them and uh, <laughs> it was like they played like it wasn't like super heavy stuff but it was definitely like hard rock with massive guitars and stuff and it was all these old like middle-aged people trying to enjoy like a wine tasting one <laughs> that's fantastic i think that similar thing happened here i, I could could be wrong I'm, I'm not sure if they were i'm not because I, I wasn't there unfortunately i was away but i know that there was a punk show in the basement of an italian restaurant no. and this was like like hardcore punk and um yeah you know like kind of similar to a terror show that kind of environment and um mm. I'm not sure. I can't remember whether the um, the owners knew exactly what was going on with that. <laughs> um, but I know it was rowdy as hell. And uh, I think maybe, I don't think there was another one. <laughs> I think there's something to be said for gigs in weird spaces, though. Because, I mean, we're playing uh, a show in, like, a Waterstones, which is like a bookshop. Yeah. Like, and, like we awesome. got invited to play, like, a, there. It was, like, in Bristol. And, like, we had a, a friend who... I wrote a book on death metal and it's like doing a release like party and they're like oh yeah come and come and play and I'm like you you realize what we do right like how we are and what it sounds like like we're in a bookshop like, you know, like a shopping center kind of thing and it was pretty fucking fun and they've invited us back for some bizarre reason yeah and, and we decided <laughs> to bring the loudest band in the uk yeah. with us they're wearing their t-shirt they're fucking torpor they're gonna absolutely just so much just rumblies so get this i was speaking to the drummer of torpor the other day and talking about backline for this little bookshop show and i think think we're thinking of bringing two bass cabs four guitar cabs a drum set and then a we second bring, we bring in the 215 as well well, they got the Torpor are bringing a lot of their stuff, yeah. Got... And I, I think we're just going to see what we can get away with, you know, because obviously <laughs> it's going to be the most ridiculous thing ever. It's quite a large space. It's all on one floor. But for anyone that's in the UK and knows Waterstones, they're typically, I guess, like equivalent of US Barnes & Noble or whatever, or multiple floors stop all the books in the world but this is all on one floor and it's sprawling and there's so much space just to <laughs> fill with ridiculous noise. So, awesome. first mosh fit in a Waterstones of 100 people, I think it was last time, just having a ridiculous time amongst all these stacks of books that are kind of vibrating off the shelves. So, <laughs> very cool. Yeah. <laughs> and you're definitely going to up it this time, aren't we? Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brendan, um, I know you have a bunch of questions that you lined up, so I'm going to let oh. you uh, fire some of those guys off. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we were talking about um, your fun merch and things of that nature. Um, how did you guys come up with the uh, space tapes, like the those carrying cases? Like, how did those come about? Uh, okay, so um, the first one that was a collaboration with um, Astral Noise, who are a magazine over here. They're like a DIY noise magazine. Yeah, and uh, a record label. Um, the guy who run who did run it at the time. David Brand, like it's, it's unfortunately it's not going anymore. But David, he um was willing to put out the first album, and because of like how sci-fi and conceptual it was, he he had a mate who did three D printing, so he wanted to speak to his friend and see what he could sort out and if we could kind of create, yeah, a kind of like something sci-fi that kind of worked with the release. So we discussed a few things. Like we at first we toyed with the idea of like maybe making like a moon rock you know so like kind of like 
encasing the rock in no sorry encasing the cassette in like a stone and yeah. then you'd have to yeah. smash open the stone to get the cassette but we thought that would be a bit silly and it might damage it and stuff and we thought maybe put it in like a little ray gun or something like that but then we thought nah that doesn't work and we eventually set on just kind of making these sci-fi outer shells um i mean personally i i'd say like david brand and astral noise get all the credit for the first one because um that was very much like something they wanted to do and they were willing to fund just to help push the album but the thing about that is like once because they're really popular and um once they set the standard we had to kind of keep it up because we felt like after that if we put out a normal cassette it it'd almost be disappointing you know so um right yeah so that that was kind of like the precedent for everything really like that was like because yeah we did that and then we went it was like everything that we do from here has to meet this standard and then the ideas for the comic books came along the action figures off that and we've done three space tapes now um the last ones we did for earth reaper uh was with a new artist called jocelyn bennett snewin who has worked on stuff like the witcher on tv uh, uh-huh. netflix the witcher um, the Dark Crystal TV show as well. So we're wow. really excited to get her involved. And they're really, really crazy, these ones. Um, yeah, like alien, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They definitely got that vibe. Yeah, um, that that was all, all credit to Jocelyn on that part. You know, like, um, I think we, we gave her some vague kind of direction with it. Like, we knew what the kind of colours we wanted. We knew we wanted it to be acid burnt. We knew we wanted it to kind of cover the full cassette. But um, yep. with anyone like this, like Delicious Again Peter or Luke Oram, who does the comic book, we tried to make it as much of a collaboration as possible because, I mean, obviously everybody has their own kind of like style, you know, and we really like to bring that to the project. So, um, yeah, Jocelyn's um, cassette shells are very much her cassette shells. You know, there's a lot of her in them and that makes them stand out from the other ones who were done by a guy called Carl Kreese. And he has a very different style. And yeah, it's just nice because it keeps it, it's nice just to, to see the personality and everything. But it also it keeps up variation and keeps them interesting, you know, and um, it builds good relationships as well. Like It's nice to get to know the people we're working with. And as I say, we very much see it as like a kind of family thing. We're all working together to make something really awesome. The themes yeah. of the album and the live show once again, you know. That's uh, definitely sweet. Yeah, definitely awesome, awesome stuff there. Well, what led you guys uh, into uh, getting a beer, a branded beer, Acid City? Uh, How did that all come about? Uh, again, like <laughs> the similar thing. Like, it was because once we, everything we do, we always find ourselves having to up it again, don't we? So if we release a space tape, we need to release cool, like more space tapes, you know? Um, or like yeah action figures then it's like what can we do from here but obviously we don't want it to get boring we don't want to be doing the same old stuff and pumping out the same old things like we're very proud of everything we do and we see everything we do as being quite limited and um, artistic in nature so we don't want them to be something where they're like all over the place you know so we're always kind of thinking of new ideas and new things to put out that are interesting and that people will enjoy and again like I think we all wanted a beer as well, which is the main thing coming away from it. Like, we, it was something we'd always talked about in the van, wasn't it? Like, when we were touring and yeah. that. I think some of it is just quite a little bit self indulgent. Like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we, we could do this? Have our own beer, have our yeah. own like, action figure, or whatever, like, have our own comedy. Like, 
like a lot of it is just that or like making jokes and then it's like well actually can't we make a little grenade type thing that pops out an SD card with a blueprint of a spaceship on it <laughs> and sell that with a split? So, yeah. It was this... a bit like a twist of fate thing with a so bone machine who brewed it in Hull, who are an awesome brewery, and I've been aware of them for quite some time. And then it turned out as well that completely independently of any interaction with them, they'd been really enjoying what we've been doing and we'd been enjoying what they were doing. And stars align, it came together. We both realized we were both enjoying what each other were doing. And it like ended up at a point it would be silly not to make this happen. Mm. They were really on board. We were really on board. We wanted to do something sick and they wanted to take it to the best level they possibly could. And then we ended up with the Acid City, ridiculous, sour, blueberry, spirulina IPA, which is crimson, red, and just ridiculously just delicious. So tasty. So crushing. <laughs> And the cool thing, again, with that is we, we gave them, like, ideas on what we wanted to do with it, but we still very much wanted it to be their beer as well, you know? So um, I know, like I said to Marco, the guy who runs it, that we definitely wanted it to be a funky colour. We wanted it to be a space beer, you know? It had to be, like, believable to be, again, like, in-world. So, like, something that you may see the characters drinking in the comic book or something like that, right. you know? We also needed it to be not just a beer in terms of flavour as well. Uh, I never would have thought to personally have done a sour, but mm. yeah, like I think that's a really, really cool idea because again, it kind of tastes like otherworldly. So it looks otherworldly, tastes otherworldly, and it all kind of feeds back into the themes behind the album again. Like it's all, all in world. It's all like part of the same universe. So cool. So cool. Did they, um, uh, it's just at that brewery you can get it at or like are you guys put it in the stores at all or it's in a couple of places it's I in think... a few places it's um it's gone really quickly i think all, all of us including them were unprepared for how quickly it was all going to go mm. so it was one of those ones you could get it through them but i think it's so new 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 found new yeah, tap? so new found tap which is oh. there tap room in hull oh, they're doing right. it a couple of other places somewhere in liverpool got, got it didn't they yeah We've been trying to get it a few other places, but I think it's pretty much all I'm, gone. I'm hoping uh, there is talk of maybe getting it for a show we have next month at the Black Heart in Camden, which will be our first ever show at the Black Heart, yeah. which is insane to think. And they've got a lot of cool craft beers oh, yeah, on the, draft as well. Yeah, so. like they'd be the perfect place to have it. And I think um, we, there may be a keg that we can get down for that yeah. and have like a kind of London release, I suppose, for it. Because... Um, Hopefully, from the sounds of things, it's been popular enough for us to do a second run of it. Yeah, they're going to do a second brew. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it all goes well. Everyone seems to be in the right frame of mind for it. Obviously, mm. nothing's confirmed or anything. Yeah, right, we, we right. have had some places. We've had interest from places in Leeds, uh, yeah, London. Who want to stock it, you know? So it might not be a permanent fixture of any of these places, but if we can get it there, we'd definitely like to get it to as many people yeah, as we can. Cool. Like any of these breweries, you know, it's make a specific beer as a batch brew rather than having just a standard line, you know, so. Right. Do you know how big of a batch they were making of it? Not sure. No, I, I, I wish I did. <laughs> I don't think it was anything extreme. I think it was very much a, um, a test the waters, see how it goes kind of thing. But from yeah. what yeah. they have said, it, that they were very happy with how quick it sold and how popular it was. So, yeah, yeah it's all looking good. That's awesome. So, do you guys have a uh, a favorite city to play live at? 
Like you just want to keep going back there every time. Mm. That's a tough one. It is a tough, it is tough one. one. But we we do always have a good time in Hull. That's where we had the beer release, and again, it's where we had human like human pyramids and mm-hmm. a real big time. Like is like this little like old like Victorian dance hall esque like <laughs> pub called the Adelphi. It's like this big stonking sound system and a half deaf like sound tech, so you can pump it real loud. <laughs> it is there, there's something special about Hull for me, at least. Like um. The scene up there is really cool. The people there are lovely. I, um, the shows, they always go off. Everybody's really engaged with the music there and they want to support the bands. And I mean, obviously you get that all over, but for me, like I've always made a conscious effort to get up to Hull with whatever band I've been playing in. And, um, almost to the point that I think I may annoy the whole scene a little bit. <laughs> I think they probably think I badger them quite a lot because I'm always trying to get up there. And, um, but that's because it's worth it. Like it's the other end of the country for us, yeah. so it's a long old drive. But we we always try to hit. It. And the band we were just on tour with, still, they're amazing. Like so, so whole they've got a really good output yeah. of bands as well. They've got Mastiff, still. There's a band yeah. like me and Rory, Squarlords. Yeah, Squarlords are amazing. Great. Big we, influence on us. Oh yeah, yeah, big influence on Wallowing. It's really horrible, slow, down tuned. Like it just. The epitome of disgusting yeah. sludge. Like, oh, they were great. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Everywhere has its own little thing and the vibe's different as well. So it, it's really hard to pick a favourite place as well because mm. everywhere feels different and you always know it's going to be a different reception in a good way. Yeah. Totally. It's like the difference between going to Boom and Leeds and mm. having a big time there where there's a huge, you know, kind of like, grindy crusty power violence scene compared to Hull where there's just dismal music mm. it is a different vibe but each of them is fucking sick and is always a great time as well so equally Cardiff as well like uh, uh, they they do some really cool shows in Cardiff even if it's just like they do house shows there they do like kind of like the stand they've got some cool venues you know so they could do like good venue shows there but most recently we played in Shift. a place yeah. called Shift which is like an art space under a shopping centre it's like a derelict kind of like wasteland of concrete with these defunct escalators. It's just like a shopping center, like basement that's just not been made into a shop. And it's just <laughs> like bare concrete and dust. And the entrance is down this like dilapidated old escalator that you step on yeah. and you have to stop yourself from lurching forwards because your body's trained on a, an yeah, escalator. Just, but... yeah. <laughs> that was cool. it was great. You could have like people like literally like almost 360 around you. Yeah, it's massive, yeah, wasn't it? Enormous, like cold, empty space, and, and you just like, kind of set up in a corner or in, in the middle, or just like kind of in the middle of the, the back, kind of huge, big space. It's great. Yeah, it was kind of spoiled for choice, I suppose, to a degree. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, like London, we, we whenever we play in London, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah. And to think, yeah, like because we've never played the Black Heart before, so there's still places we're kind of yet to go and mm. check out in that regards. And, the That's underworld awesome. soon as well. The underworld are playing the underworld with Strigoi. Strigoi, yeah, yeah, so that's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that. And then also Brighton as well, considering how few and far between those hometown shows are, they're always really, really good as well. So Hell yeah. Well, on the uh, other side of that coin, do you have a city that you're like, don't book us again, please? <laughs> Real. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, no, no, fair enough. 
Uh, to be fair, like we'll, we're up for playing anywhere that will have us. But yeah, I think know, it... so long as we can, if it's a space that we can fit our stuff in and do what we do without being hindered by it being a little tiny bar or you know the sound system isn't capable enough to punch out the vocals or so long as there's sufficient space for us to have a big time i think we'd happily turn up and have a big time i think that's one thing i've noticed about us i think since the band's conception to where it is now we're we're always trying to add and build upon what we're doing and it is weird because we're like DIY kids at heart and we still very much are are going from like playing like really small like yeah like venues where you can set up in a corner to where we are now where we've got this extensive noise board and we've got lasers lights we've got the smoke machine all this stuff that's kind of consuming space and we are getting to a point where oh yeah and not to mention like with the noise board we need a certain PA now to play things through and we are getting to a point where we need to consider um, venues a bit more and like whether we can um, perform to the best of our ability in them which is something I, I never thought we'd do so we'll get to like we need to be just a bit comfortable and like have like say a decent PA and like mm. I think at heart we're still quite happy to play like you know like a, a dingy oh, basement totally, totally. with like just cabs and very little fallbacks or anything but like, yeah yeah for sure you know like if, if we can have that full setup it, we want we just want everything to be as, as good as it can yeah that's the thing because i mean we're we're very um i I always call it like trickery with the lights like light trickery with our stage show because um the stuff we use for it is very like b movie like it's like it's very botched and diy and that's the beauty in it you know that's not a bad thing that's part of the reason why i love the band but um, it's funny because we're trying like we get called the beekeeper band a lot because the suits like they're essentially beekeeper outfits you know like that's that's what they are and um we're using like trickery of the light like really low lighting and lasers and smoke machines to kind of take it from being essentially like this kind of like b-movie-esque stuff into like literally another world so with the low lighting and all of that it, you you are in space you know we become spacemen mm. rather than the beekeeper <laughs> men like the cool thing is we come away and a lot of people go that show like we had this review recently which was like just saying how like scary it was you know and how like creepy and like yeah sleep paralysis and all this kind of stuff well if if you turn on the lights that's really not what you're going to see you know it's it's not not comical but it's a very much a different side of what everybody gets when we perform and i think there very much is a beauty in that you know hell yeah well what was your favorite comic growing up oh that's that i've like under the table that the laptop is currently nestled on. I have so many Batman comics. It's unreal. Like, I, I don't know what it was for me, but I just absolutely love Batman. Maybe it's because he, he was quite dark in comparison to other superheroes. So I've got loads of them. I haven't really read them in a while. But um, they, I, I've got got to mention him, you know, because he's a legend. The the city we mentioned yeah, earlier. The city we mentioned earlier was a good one, but you got some sick alien my, ones. Didn't my you? I think my go to I, I was quite a fan of the Dark Horse Alien comics. I've got like novel form. I've got a load of like independent series that are really good fun, and there's some really cool artwork in there. And I think the Alien universe for me was very like formative and like well like, kind of like with the space tapes right so like, they look like something that you find on the astronaut in the cargo deck to be mm-hmm. kicking around and it's totally. grubby and it's got like oil and burns on it you know it's like tangible like 
think that's what I really like, kind of took from all that. You know, well, whenever we're designing the props, you're always sending over like little Nostromo props. Yeah, you, like, I mean, Mark sends over a load of Nostromo mm -hmm. stuff as well. Like. No, I mean, it, you, you got to, then you yeah. ultimately. It's such a such a big influence, I suppose, and what we did. Yeah, exactly. And like, in, on sci-fi in general, yeah, you know, like that's a good era of sci-fi because it it didn't come off corny, it, it didn't come great, off cheesy. It was, it was quite a great scary, era of the soundtracks as well. Like, oh, the Alien yeah. soundtrack is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Blade Runner, phenomenal. The Thing, like, yes. all of these real tense, dreamy, like futuristic soundscapes, definitely a big influence on us. I think. Oh, totally. Or at least me. No, no, no. You're completely correct. I think I kind of missed the comic craze when I was younger, but then as a teenager, got really into loads of really random hardcore like horror comics as well. <laughs> and then read a lot of went overboard and like the crust stuff, and then loads of other really ridiculous ones. And then just hit the wall and was like, "Well, I'm done now." And then a couple of years later, like rediscovered as an adult the joy of comics and all the sci-fi stuff beyond just uh, reading science fiction or whatever. And then it's been a bit of a late late blossoming really for that i had a, a phase recently which hey, maybe I'll, I'll pass on to you i'm not sure if you enjoy it but i'd like to see what you think of it i went through a phase of really getting into the dark crystal comic oh, books it's such an underrated like like world you know like that whole thing is so cool when that came out like, that was phenomenal and the books are just as good it's a like, great universe isn't it I, they, I really like it yeah just that, I mean I'm not sure if you guys saw that um, Netflix series on the Dark Crystal but it was so from Jim so, Henson yeah yeah oh it was phenomenal and uh, I remember reading that they spent because obviously it's such an expensive thing to produce that they went into it knowing that it would never recoup the money <laughs> or something like that so they made it purely out of love put it out and it didn't get the um, stats or the viewers that they yeah. wanted, and then it couldn't warrant make warrant making a second season, which is such a shame because I kind of like that because oh. like I mean the the Dark Crystal film's great, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but you can't. I, I don't it. think I'd like it. it as much if there was like three because it was successful and there's sequels all the time. I know what you mean because now it's special, isn't it? That's, exactly. And that TV show is special because there was just one of them, but it, it just looks unique as well. That series filled in the holes for me that the new Star Wars trilogy left. Because oh, that really man. let me down. And watching the Dark Crystal TV show, Age of Resistance, I think it's called, that really put me back in a good place. Similar to like Mando. Yeah. Like, yeah. Man, Mando definitely restored some, some of my faith in, in Star Wars. Universe. Did you guys watch, um, what's the other one called? Uh, the, it was the latest the one they did. What's, what's it called, sorry? The oh. Book of Boba Fett one. They did no, Andor. The one, the, yeah. Andor, yes, that uh, Andor, Andor. Was excellent, absolutely. That that's was a, great, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite things they've ever done. In all honesty, well, Rogue One was so good. And yeah, it was, Rogue it was. was phenomenal. I think it being just like a tragedy was so refreshing in the Star Wars. Yeah. Yes, and it, like even some of the, like the character dynamics where like some of the good guys have done some bad stuff. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I would have done it for nothing. Like that's kind of creates this interesting dynamic. I, I thought that it, they, they did a lot of like really good universe and world building, like law building, because uh, it kind of oh, explained how the rebellion happened and like why the oh, Attitude Towards so Empire was there. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a very complex, no, right. very deep it was good. Uh, thing for, for Disney to make. Oh, it's, definitely. To keep it on like that, that like lower, like ground level, you know, because obviously they, they do the, the Sith, they do the Jedi, and to mm. see something that was just mm -hmm. kind of like 
at, pe- at the people's level was really nice and refreshing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, also, I, I wasn't really sure when I heard about the series just because of Andor as a character, I thought he was a bit mm. boring. But right. obviously, as a vessel to tell the story, like once I was watching the show, I was putting it together and I was thinking, no, he's the perfect guy yeah. to tell this story. Because it's so not about it him. Really, that's it. Yeah, it's not about him at all. It's about what's going on around him and he just kind of carries you through it, which was perfect. You know, like, yeah, I was really surprised by that. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. Season two is coming and I'm, I'm honestly very excited. Like, I think it's going to be good. I think so too. I really like how they, especially for the new ones like that and Rogue One and Andor and all of that, they don't just throw away lots of the extended world building that's gone in in the background. Like you have all these ridiculous like ATCTs or whatever moving along in the background on um, just in the scenes. And you're like, oh, that's something that's always been around but never explicitly mentioned. Whoever's been writing this is really paying attention to all of this stuff that's been built up rather than, oh, here's an AT-80. It's like, no, here's a specific sub-variant of it that's always existed, but you haven't seen before. Oh, totally. Yeah. Right, I right, right. The nicest things about like world building and lore, whether it's fantasy or like sci-fi, it's just really nice when you see little things like that. Like, oh, look, there's, there's a, a weird variation of a, a thing that I clearly know. It's like mm-hmm. when you just see a digger here, and it's like, oh, there's a digger, and then you see a different one, it's like, be, be, like you get it in the background and it just like makes the world again so much more immersive mm-hmm. it's like that thing that commercial thing exists like, totally. outside of this bombastic story I'm I'm taking part in well this right. Star Wars is in good hands at the minute isn't it I believe yeah. I, mean, I definitely think so yes Dave Filoni and John Favreau like, yep Dave Filoni he's basically George Lucas's Padawan isn't he so <laughs> yeah he's got it on lock <laughs> I think bringing him on was the smartest decision they ever made, honestly. Um, I think he's keeping it tight. He's very clearly passionate about the the, the material. Um, so it's not, yes. it's not about the money for him at all. You, you can kind of tell oh, that. Oh, definitely not. I mean, I could talk about this forever. As you can tell, I'm the biggest Star Wars nerd. <laughs> and I think that, that carries over a lot into what we do as well. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, when I was sat down and thought to myself, like, oh, like sci-fi band. I was thinking in my head, Star Wars. You know, like, I think there's a lot of Star Wars in Wallowing. I mean, even just from, like, the story. But I think um, I think one thing that separates us is we, we tackle it from quite a different angle. We have a very mm. different approach to sci-fi rewrite. But it is it's very much in Star Wars, definitely. <laughs> what did you think of the latest season of Mandalorian? Yeah, I, I liked it. <laughs> I thought it was good. I thought um, it, it was different to the other ones. Yeah. I think it's... it's kind of going back to what we were saying about things being special i think as good as it was the first and second seasons they had an element of wow this is something new and special Mm. and something we haven't seen before and it's going back to its roots and it was very exciting but i think by the third one still good very much enjoyed it like there was a lot of cool stuff in it but it felt like it was it kind of lost that kind of that new fresh exciting feeling and felt not not into the normal tropes of something just kind of like being around too long because mm. i still think it can do well and go on but i, I think um yeah it, it definitely lost that kind of this is something special for me for me it was more an issue of i, I felt like a lost focus a little I, I think it like it kind of was a little bit all over the place some of the episodes like uh yeah i think the chorus got the chorus on one that was yeah um, i understand why they did it yeah, um, but it wasn't my favorite episode of all it of it. It just felt and, disjointed a little bit, in my opinion, from from the rest yes. of the ser- season. This, yeah, then, this is what I felt too. I felt like it 
again, it was it was different, wasn't it? You can see that they're trying to mix up the formula and take a different mm. approach. And yeah, I think that that was an issue for me to an extent as well. I feel like it I did like Moff Gideon came back. Right, I I just feel like they could have tied it in better to the rest of the the se- uh, season. Like I feel like there could have been ways that they could have woven it together with well. It just felt like boom, cut to a completely different thing, and then not really yeah, tied back. I know what you mean. I think the one good thing about it, though, I thought Bo Katan was amazing. Trust. I thought that whole storyline was really, really cool. Yeah, so um, yeah. that was definitely a saving grace for me. I, I mean, I, I, as, as I said a second ago, I can't really let go of them bringing Moff Gideon back for a third time because I felt like he's kind of um, there's no threat to him anymore. As much yeah. as I felt like yeah. he was great in the first couple of seasons, I didn't feel like he was a, a threatening big bad anymore. Yeah. But um, yeah. I thought the Bo-Katan story arc was really, really strong, and I very much enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I mean, people might criticise me for this, but my one of my other issues with the season was um, Grogu kind of felt like a prop more than an actual story arc a little bit. Like, initially, yeah. first first two seasons, he had a very clear role to play in the storyline, and this one, he was kind of just there as like a goofy kind of prop to to build humor and cuteness and like just you know what I mean. It, it didn't feel as necessary as I made him feel in the previous two seasons. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think from what I've read, again showing the proper nerdy side of me. From what I've read, it, uh, it seems like because of the way the series ends, it it seems to me like they're going to lead on to. Um, well, kind of going back to like the first format in the in the way that they're kind of going on bounty hunter missions, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be refreshing because I mean, as much as as I say, I think it needs to mix it up. They did have a good formula there, and yeah. like those little kind yeah. of like, one-off episodes that kind of um, they just told like mini stories, didn't they? Yeah. And there were opportunities mm-hmm. for the characters to evolve, and like that that was nice. I felt that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I could t- again. I could also talk about this for like a very extended period yeah. of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it. I need to finish the watching that Mandal series. To be honest, is it? It's worth it, definitely. Yeah, go around to it. Yeah, it is. I, um, Brenda, did you, did you have anything else you want to ask, or am I good to like, ask the last few wrap up questions because we're going over time? I just wanted to ask, <clears throat> what is your favorite song of yours to play live? Oh, you know, it, for me, it's going to be earth reaper because it's ba- this is like a 20 well the main title track from the new album is 22 23 minutes long yeah. so that takes up most of the set and it goes through loads of different movements mm-hmm. because of that it's quite fresh and exciting and you can really get into it you know you can really enjoy it um i also personally think that is the best thing we've ever written so maybe that comes into play with it as well not sure if you guys feel any yeah, difference. Doing vocal stuff, there's literally every single style under the sun, and there's opportunity to catch the breath and also opportunity to run around like headless chicken and kick some people for a bit. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, I gotta agree. The Earth Reaper is probably just the funniest thing to play because, yeah, you've got so much different vibes in there. It's just like tickles my fancy with every t- type of like, music there is. And to be honest, playing the Acid City. Acid City section for me is yeah. just, oh, it's heavy. It's heavy. That's my favorite part. Sleazy of the in the best like, way. It's yeah. so much fun. It's challenging enough as well, isn't it? Like it keeps you on your toes enough. Like yeah. you can get comfortable with it, but also like not enough that where you zone out and like when you nail those bits, mm. you kind of go, yeah, yeah, nice. I've got that. You know. That's it. I think we we tend to often write it like right on the edge of our ability, and it's like 
trying trying to chase it and like wrestle it in. But then like when you really get it down and we're like grooving around and like we have the, the room to play with it, it's just so much fun. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that wraps it up for me, James. Cool. I just have a couple more questions for you guys. Um, so one, I just wanted to ask about labels. Uh, obviously, on this latest one, you've been working with um, Church Road Records. How, how did that partnership come to you, come to be? Uh, well, we got quite lucky, actually. Um, they reached out to us. They sent us an email. And they uh, they like Planet Loss. Which is, so that kind of really helped. I know they listened to the split as well. And they, they said they liked what we were doing, if we had any plans for the next album. Um, we were kind of like fishing around at the time anyway and just kind of exploring options and um they they seem like the best fit you know like after having a couple of chats with them and with sammy and justine being musicians themselves um that was a big factor for us because as we've said today like all those extra weird little bits that we add to the music and like overall overall wallowing you know like uh, it's important that we have a label that is able to support that and having well being in bands themselves they they can do that they know what we need you know and they know how to support us and where they can help and that's really cool because we spoke to a few people and as much as there were like good possibilities out there it was um things like we'd speak about the comic book or the space tapes and then they kind of um and are about it and they wouldn't really kind of be able to give us a straight answer they'd want to talk to someone else about it and then get them to confirm whereas like i think sam and jesse are like comic books yeah awesome let's go yeah. well, one of the first things is one of the reasons why we wanted to work with you lot because you do all this cool stuff so like straight away in our heads up that was a really good sign you know and um yeah we've been able to keep in touch with them quite easily and if we had any questions they'd be more than willing to help us out put a lot of effort into promoting it and it's very much a labor of love for them and i think right. that it shows on releases you know and the roster they have is so sick yeah. so it, it, it just felt right for us you know yeah, they've always put the effort in for us they've always given us their time they've shown up consistently to any show that we've been remotely close to them they've made an effort to get down and catch us and hang out yeah. and say hello yeah say hi not sure yeah just also like the sound is people doing sick music and fostering a really cool community of other bands and it's just a really good place to be awesome great to hear that um and then before you worked with uh dan delby at Treprec. uh yes so we, we actually worked with a, a few people on the earlier stuff so um mm -hmm. the vinyl of planet loss was released with sludge lord records right right, right. Uh, and we're very thankful to aaron at sludge lord because yeah. he like we, we hadn't released anything and he we, we just basically gave him an email and he loved the album and worked with us on it and yeah that was a big risk for him and he helped us get it with a label in america called black voodoo records mm -hmm. we kind of distrained mm -hmm. it to an extent and um that was good and we managed to sell out of all of that and i think that really got us on a good steading for what yeah. was to come um and then obviously as i said astral noise they did the cassette version mm -hmm. the well when we, when we officially released the comic book we did a bundle with cds which went out through surviving sound surviving sounds sorry and trepanation records so that was dan at trepanation right and uh yeah, we right. see dan quite frequently we saw him up in hole the other day and yeah he's also a really really nice guy and it's always a pleasure to work with him as well because he's yeah, he's just yeah, he's just so cool. <laughs> I really yeah. enjoy like chatting with me and him. We chat a lot, and um, all of his musical projects. He, he does some awesome stuff. 
He does. Like um, Catalyst as well, his noise band. Like, Love that's that band. Awesome. Yeah, and they're sitting on an album at the minute, and that, that's going to be exciting. That's going to be really his, exciting. His stuff with Mastiff's excellent, too. Yeah, yes, I love yeah. So we're doing a few shows with Mastiff at the end of the year. Yeah, nice. Uh, we're doing a festival called um, Sonic, Sonic Distance, Distance, yeah. Dissonance in Edinburgh. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be our second trip to Glasgow, and that's with Mastiff. We're doing a few shows around that with them that's as well. Edinburgh, not Glasgow. Oh, sorry, did I say Second Glasgow? Trip to Scotland. Uh, Second trip to Scotland. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just got two more for you guys. One is going to be a little bit of an on-the-spot question. I apologize. But uh, so it's each of you can answer this or collectively, whatever you prefer. Um, if you were trapped on a desert island, you had a solar-powered discman and three CDs to get you through until you got rescued, what would those be? 2112. 2112. Camels, the snow goose. And then we can let Maxim pick one. I hope so we're not going to be on the same island together. Oh, we're on the same island, baby. Fucking going You're in the sea. We're all going to pick one each. <laughs> <laughs> Just fortunately, me and Rory like each other's CDs. Yeah. Um, probably uh, Kansas to Can by Sarah Devachi. Uh, just like ridiculous Canadian, like avant-garde, organist, minimalist composer. And it's incredible. There's loads of Mellotron and ridiculous organ and compositions for like voice. And That's such horn. a maximum. <laughs> it's that'd it's be, also, yeah. Is, uh, I'll vibe that. Vibe yeah. Because if we had another Rush one in there, it'd be too much. I wouldn't yeah, throw Rush much, in the sea. I'm sorry. I apologize to take that. Back. But then we just have one CD and then you get frustrated because you just have one CD. <laughs> After a little bit, you really want to listen to that Rush album. I don't know. Trust can, me. Can we throw in a wild card and just get Jack, uh, Jack Parnell's big peanut with the band? <laughs> <laughs> that is a vibe. Oh, you need to listen to that song. Oh. The Jack Parnell's big band, the yeah. peanut vendor. It's, it's that's our like early morning wake that, up song. That's like if we're on tour, we need to get up and go. It's like you stick down. It's like you'll be tired, but it'll get you going. It's such a hat comes in with these really kind of dissonant, discordant, like, dissonant, like horn section, really eerie and really, weird. Yeah, and great. In Brighton, where we live, they're like people just kind of leave stuff they don't want out front of their houses, and you can mm-hmm. kind of pick come along and just pick up stuff. And we found that vinyl, and we we're just like, huh, that looks like a laugh. Brought that home, and now it's like a staple yeah, of our life. It's, it's been our life ever since. So I'm so <laughs> glad for it. That's awesome. What's the, what's it called? Uh, Jack Parnell's big band, and it's called the Peanut Vendor. Look it up. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's on YouTube. Right definitely. <laughs> <laughs> see, see us off with that; would be great. <laughs> the sign okay, music. I have that uh, lined up to listen to straight after this. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what? I'm actually going to put it at the end of this episode, so that yes. people can hear it. Yes. <laughs> Just imagine um, some. Bleary boys and, and we'll see. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, because you guys are so into film and sci-fi and stuff, I'm going to ask a, a follow-up to this one, which I never asked before. But if you had the same question, but with a portable DVD player and three movies, oh. what would it be? Oh, the thing. Yeah, the thing would have to be up there. O- original, right? Not the remake. Oh, yeah, yeah, the original. Not, not good, the good, good, good. <laughs> Not on that. Oh, quickly! Did you hear Dan Dolby's project that did the alternate uh, sound, uh, like score for the movie? No. So he, <laughs> no way. How has he not mentioned this to us? <laughs> That's, amazing. That's mad. Yeah, it's called uh, Sulfur Nurse. Is the project? And uh, hang on, let me find the album title for you. Give me one second. I uh, I actually wrote I, a review. I know of it. Oh, cool. 
It's, uh, they must have did cool. Cyberpunk, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they had a track in Cyberpunk. Which is awesome. Okay. It's literally called The Thing. Um, and oh, it's nice. basically like an, an inspired soundtrack that they could use alternately for the movie and super like uh, synthwave heavy yeah. and like dark ambient. Very, very cool. Sick. That is very, that very cool. Like he kept quiet. that quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Sneaky fella. Mm, I forget that blast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what. See, I'd I'd like to. You want to put Star Wars in there, but if you're going to do one, you need to do them all, and there's not enough space to have them all. So you, nah, I can't put Star Wars in there, right? You could just put like Star Wars anthology, all in one. Nah, no, it doesn't count. It's got to be Empire. Yeah, we all know it. <sighs> yeah, I would agree. It, it is Empire. It is yeah. Empire. Yeah. Maxim, what's your choice? Oh, I don't know. Um, I if I have my choice, it'd be some ridiculous, like sleazy seventies B movie or something. So I'm just gonna forego <laughs> my choice before putting my foot in there. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, if there's a free slot, the Dark Crystals. Yeah, there you go. That can go in. I'll give nice. you that one. It's not explicitly sci-fi, is it? But again, I think it really captures a certain era era, era of cinema really well. Yeah, mm. I find that. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, last question, and this is a super simple one. If people want to buy your music, merchandise, uh, collectibles, comic books, or you know, give you guys a follow on social media, what what are the best places to do all of that? So we're on all social media now. I think planetlost.com. Yeah, yeah, we got planetlost.com. We got our website, okay. um, and yeah, that links to everything, doesn't it? it does. So you can get everything on there. I'll link you to Church Road, uh, Death Wish, who do our USA and EU distribution. Nice. Um, so yeah, nice. you can get vinyl off them quite easily, and you don't have to worry about paying for UK shipping or anything. Um, there's, there's loads of cool stuff on there actually. So yeah, check out planetlost.com. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, honestly, fantastic chatting with you guys. Really interesting. Yeah. yeah likewise. Cheers. Thanks. For thank you us. for getting Thanks. up so early. Oh no problem. I'm always up early, so it's it's not an issue. Um, but and also, yeah. Uh, being patient about booking this in because I know we've been chatting about it for a while. So thanks for bearing with us. Oh, no problem. We worth the wait. We guys, have, we wanted to talk to you guys for a while. So we appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you, you guys do another album in the next year or whatever, two years, uh, we'd love to have you back on to talk about that one as well. Oh, yeah. No, we look forward to it. We're already starting to talk about it. it. Yeah. The stories yeah, are being the, written. The, the notebooks are out. Things are happening. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah thank you very much cheers yeah, thanks no, for no problem no problem and for anyone listening at home thank you for tuning in and come back next week we'll have another guest for you <laughs>